You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. wrath was coming upon Saul, and anybody who was connected to Saul would die. So Jonathan suffered for his father's sins. We don't realize how much our sin affects others. We don't realize how much our sin affects our spouses, our children, our neighbors, etc., etc., etc. We don't realize. And here we have in black and white that Jonathan and his brothers died because of their father's sins, because their father was disobedient to God. You may live your life in sin, believing the false narrative that it's no big deal. If there are consequences, it'll be minimal and only bother you. However, as Pastor Dave explains today, there are dire consequences to everyone around you because of your sin. Not only are you separated from God, but others will suffer because of your sin. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 31, as he begins his message, And In the End. We have been making our way through the book of 1 Samuel. And here we are now at chapter 31 in the book of 1 Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, open to 1 Samuel chapter 31. And while you're doing that, jump up a couple books to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 10. And put a bookmark there or something like that so you can get to it. Because we're going to kind of be flipping back and forth. Because 1 Chronicles 10, all but two verses are exactly the same as 1 Samuel 31. So it's repeated in there, so we're going to look at that, and we're going to have a good time in this. It seemed like a long time ago. I'd have to go back to the the CDs to see when we started 1 Samuel, but it's been a while back. And um, we opened with 1 Samuel with the birth of a very gifted baby. Very gifted baby was born to a woman named Hannah. Hannah prayed for a son. She had no children. She was barren. She prayed for a son, and she told the Lord that if he would give her a son, she would dedicate that young boy to him. Well, as the Lord does so mightily, he answered Hannah's prayer, and he gave her a son, and she named him Samuel. When Samuel was approximately three years old, being weaned from his mother, she took him to the temple and handed him over to a wicked priest by the name of Eli because she had promised the Lord that she would do that. Eli, even being wicked, raised the child in the admonition of the Lord. And I love the fact that both Elkanah, who is Hannah's husband, and Hannah did this knowing that Eli was a wicked priest. But they did it because they trusted in the Lord. They did it because they had made a promise to the Lord. They made a vow to the Lord, and they did that. I love that about Hannah. So that's how we began this. Samuel grew to be a prophet, and he was the last in the series of judges in the nation Israel, the last in the series of judges, because the book before 1 Samuel is the book of Judges. And we went through that and looked at all the different judges that the Lord would supply. And remember the problem. 
The problem during that time was every man was doing right with what they thought in their own eyes. They weren't following God. So Samuel grows up. He becomes a prophet. And he starts to prophesy. But the people reject Samuel. They reject him as prophet. They reject him and they wanted a king like everybody else. When the people demanded a king, God chose a man named Saul. He gave the people that which they wanted, a king. He didn't want them to have a king because he was their king. He wanted Israel to be a theocracy, which means God controlled. But he gave them a monarchy because that's what they wanted. He even told them what would happen if they had a king, how bad things would get. But they still wanted a king. Samuel thought they were rejecting him. And Samuel went to God, and God said, no, Samuel, they're rejecting me. They're rejecting me. So Israel got their king. And as we studied, Saul's main problem was the fact that he had no spiritual foundation. He didn't even know that the prophet lived several miles from him. He had no idea what the prophet was or who the prophet was. Saul had absolutely no relationship with God whatsoever. God gave Israel what they wanted, an earthly king. And God would use this to show Israel just how bad and how weak and how horrible things can be without him in their lives. Even though Saul was the tallest man in Israel, that's what it said in the scriptures, he was head and shoulders above everybody else, he had no relationship with God. No relationship with God. But still, God blessed him. God blessed him. God told him that he would pour out his blessing upon him. He would show him kindness. He would show him grace. God told him that he would empower him, and he did empower him by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Saul and empowered him. God said, I will provide for you always. I will never leave nor forsake you. He gave all those promises to Saul. Saul started out great, but he finished pretty badly. Saul had a great start, but he finished pretty Badly. His prideful disobedience to God's commands left him miserable, depressed, and he grew further and further and further away from God. And this is what happens when we're disobedient to God. When we become disobedient to God because of our pride, because of our self-will, because of our sin that so easily ensnares us, we are drawn further and further and further away from God. And we wonder why when we cry out to God, he doesn't hear us. Because we choose to live in our sin. We choose to live in disobedience. As Saul continued to harden his heart towards the things of God, he slipped slowly down that slippery slope, altogether to backsliding completely away from the Lord. And eventually... Because he refused to obey the command of God, God took the kingdom away from him. God removed the kingdom away from him. The spirit departed from Saul. And we saw last time we studied that even though Saul cried out to God, he didn't answer him. He didn't answer him. It's a sad commentary. And I love this, what Spurgeon said about Saul. Quote, I know of no more unhappy character in the Bible than Saul when God had departed from him, unquote. Can you imagine the pain knowing that God had departed? Horrible feeling. Enter a young man by the name of David, a man after God's own heart, a shepherd despised by his family, not looked upon, but loved by God. 
Because he loved God. He loved God. See, David didn't create Saul's problems, but David revealed Saul's problems to the nation and to God. Saul's insecurity got the best of him when David came on the scene. He couldn't tolerate the competition which was in his own mind. David was faithfully serving him. David was faithfully serving Saul. He was a good steward. He was faithfully serving God and Saul. Did everything Saul had commanded him to do. One battle after battle after battle for Saul. But Saul's mind created something. The more the people loved and honored David for his great victories, the more Saul sank into a paranoid state of consciousness. He became double-minded and unstable. Double-minded and unstable, always thinking that people were out to get him when all David wanted to do was to see Israel prosper. That's all he wanted to do. Saul's paranoia grew to the point that at one moment, he threw a spear at David, missing his head by inches. The next minute, he would weep in David's presence. Oh, David, I love you so much. I love you so much. This was false. This was all fake. Because we know that he threw another spear at David, constantly trying to kill David. Most of the scholars that we read and study believe that it was one thing and one thing only that brought Saul down. Pride. Pride. Pride comes before a fall. Pride. A prideful heart. Oh, my gosh. Pride brings a lot of us down. Pride can bring you down from the highest of heights and put you at the lowest of lows. Pride will do it to you every single time. When you're so prideful, when you think you're pretty good, the scripture says, take heed, lest you fall. Take heed. You start believing your own press clippings. I'm pretty good. I'm not bad. As we come to the final chapter in 1 Samuel, we see the results of Saul's pride and disobedience. Like I said, Saul began his career by being a conquering hero. He went out and he won battles for Israel. He was a national hero. He had great success on the battlefield. And people used to make up songs about him. Before David came along, they said, Saul has slain his thousands. Yay! And they loved him. The last time we saw Saul, he was afraid and had a trembling heart. He was seeking the help of a medium for direction in the battle that was coming. You can find that in 1 Samuel 28. He went to a medium. Why? Because God wouldn't answer him. But the wild thing about it is, is God does answer him through a medium. Because the medium conjures up Samuel. And Samuel comes back and he, boy, lays one on him. He lays one on really bad that he and his children are going to die the very next day. But this was an indication of just how far Saul had fallen away from God. How far we can fall away from God. We start looking at other things. We start looking at the world for the answers instead of looking to the Lord. We think the world has the answer to all our problems. Go into any bookstore and go to the self-help section. It's a separate wing now. They have a separate wing in the bookstore of self-help. And there are rows after rows after rows after rows after rows of all these self-help books. And everybody has their own way. Lose weight this way. Get pretty that way. Get smart. Get this. Get that. It's all the world, Jay. It's all bunk. We have the greatest self-help book ever written. And in this is everything we need for life and godliness right here in this book. 
And this gives us everything that we could need to possibly live the life that God has chosen for us to live. But Saul was so far away from God, he was looking at a medium. <laughs> Incredible. I go in there, and I got guarantee you go in there, you're going to get ripped off, man, big time. Going to get ripped off big time, more ways than one. Going to cost you a couple bucks, and you're going to get ripped off bad time. Saul knew that he'd fallen away from God. Saul cries out to God, and God doesn't answer him. God doesn't answer him. What a tragic thought. So as we now turn to 1 Samuel 31, we need to also look at 1 Chronicles 10 because they parallel each other and they speak of the same battle. So let's begin with 31.1. Now the Philistines fought against Israel and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Geboa. It says the exact same thing in 1 Chronicles 10. Now the Philistines fought against Israel and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines, and fell slain on Mount Geboa. This great battle that was getting ready to take place. Let me give you a timeline. Remember when David wanted to fight with the Philistines? Remember back in, I think it was uh, 27? When David wanted to fight with the Philistines, 1 Samuel 27? And the Philistines said, no, they kicked him out. This was the battle they were preparing for. That's how close it was. This was the battle that they were preparing for. They were preparing for this battle. And we see that the Saul soldiers were no match for the Philistines. The Philistines had a regular army. They had a, they had a regular army. They had all kinds of troops that outnumbered the Israelites. They had many, many chariots that which they could swoop down. They had perfect archers. They were outnumbered and they were outclassed. And what happened is the men on the battlefield of Israel, they either ran away or they died. They, they either ran away or they died. So we have this story coming up. They deserted. They ran away. They fled. Let's read 2 to 6. Then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons. And the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadad, and Malchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword, thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men died together the same day, thus fulfilling Samuel's prophecy through the median. This fulfilled Samuel's prophecy through the median. It's interesting. I read this, and I looked over it three or four times, and I kept on thinking there's something here that I, I, I really want to glean from it. And, and it finally came to me. It finally came to me. When you're in an army... And in the ancient days when you're in an army, the best way to win the victory is to kill who? The king. The one who is leading the army. And all of a sudden I got this wild picture of Satan thinking he's going to kill the king, Jesus Christ. Satan said, I'll kill the king and they'll be gone. There will be no more Christianity, no more Christ, something like that. I'll get him hanging on a cross and he'll die there. Yeah. We know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. Christ was victorious on the cross. It wasn't a defeat. It was a total victory. A total victory. It is finished. The work of salvation was done. And then to top it off, to rub Satan's nose in it, three days later he rose from the dead. 
He rose from the dead, defeating death. So take that, Satan, put that in your cap. So Satan's plan fell short. Haven't we been saying all along you cannot ever thwart the plan of God? You cannot thwart the plan of God. It's been tried. God won the victory on that cross. Won the victory for me. Won the victory for you. Won the victory for the entire world. If they would only glean from it that which they can get. It may have worked for the Philistines, but it didn't work for Satan. It didn't work for Satan. The Philistines chased hard after Saul because they knew if they killed him, the battle would be over. But they killed Jonathan. My heart breaks when I read that Jonathan had died. Jonathan is one of my most favorite characters in the Bible. I liken the faith that we use around here to what we studied in Jonathan in 1 Samuel 14 when Jonathan stepped out in faith and said, I think the Lord wants to do something today. Let's see. I love that. I love that. Jonathan died. Why did Jonathan die? Jonathan was a good guy. Jonathan was a good guy. I have no doubt that Jonathan loved the Lord. Jonathan loved David. They were BFFs. They really liked each other. Jonathan died for several reasons. First of all, Jonathan died because of his father's sins. God's wrath was coming upon Israel. God's wrath was coming upon Saul, and anybody who was connected to Saul would die. So Jonathan suffered for his father's sins. We don't realize how much our sin affects others. We don't realize how much our sin affects our spouses, our children, our neighbors, etc., etc., etc. We don't realize. And here we have in black and white that Jonathan and his brothers died because of their father's sins, because their father was disobedient to God. But I also believe there's another reason why Jonathan died. A more practical reason. I like the first reason, and I believe in that. But the practical reason is God had to make sure there was not any relative of Saul around. All of them had to be wiped out. Why? Secession. Monarch secession. The king dies. Whoever's first in line gets to be king. So the king, all the sons had to die. All the relatives had to die. There could be no male heir to the throne. So God had to allow them to be wiped out. He had a circumvent. They tried to circumvent the rights of secession. He was worried about that. But what really bothers me about Jonathan is we read in 1 Samuel 23 how Jonathan basically pledged his faith to David and basically said, listen, when you're king, we'll rule together. You know, there was kind of a, a, a camaraderie there, and Jonathan was kind of saying, this is going to be great. He knew David would be king. Jonathan knew David would be king. He knew David was ordained and already anointed king. And Jonathan said, we'll rule together. But it wasn't to be because God had him killed with the others. The battle was fiercely fought. And these archers, boy, of the Philistines, they got Saul. They hit him several times, and they wounded him. They got him. Now Saul's lying there, and he's hurt. He knows he's mortally wounded, but he's afraid. Why is he afraid? Because back in those days... When the enemy came up on an army, even dead army men, when they found the king, they chopped them up. They would chop them up and then run around the corners and drag their bodies and hang their heads on poles and all kinds of stuff. And Saul didn't want to be awake when they found him. He didn't want to be alive for them to abuse him, it's called. They didn't want them to be abused. He they had a way of humiliating their victims. It's like stomping on them when they're dead. 
So he asked his armor bearer to kill me. Run your sword through me. But I think this was a very young man. The armor bearer is usually a young man. And I think he was afraid. The scripture says he was afraid. And he couldn't do it. So Saul basically killed himself. Saul basically fell on his own sword. The rest of the army flees away. Flees away. And if we read 1 Samuel 31, 7, look there, it says, And when the men of Israel were on the other side of the valley, and those who were on the other side of Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled, and Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. They were so afraid, they left everything behind. They hightailed it out of there. They got out of there. They were afraid. It's a shame that nobody was trusting in God. Nobody was trusting in God during all this. Nobody was trusting in God. You can read the same thing over in 1 Chronicles 10, verses 8 through 10. It's the exact same thing. Or 7. And when the men of Israel who were in the valley saw that they had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook their cities and fled. The Philistines came and dwelt in them. Philistines came and got these cities back. They were having a grand old time. The end is not pretty for Saul. He loses all honor, even in death, because the Philistines eventually get there, and they basically chop him up. They basically tear his body apart, and they have it all over the place. They, they have great joy in tearing apart this king who they've hated. They strip off his armor. They chop off his head. They take it and put it in their temples, and they take it and, and put it in other places. Look at 1 Samuel 31, 8 to 10. So it happened the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Geboa. And they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim in the temple of their idols and among the people. Then they put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. They abused him. All to see. It was a great time for the Philistines. They were hooting and hollering and having a great time. This was wonderful. They defeated Israel, their dreaded enemy. They defeated him. But Saul had made some friends while he was king. He made a few friends while he was king. And some of them were in a place called Jabez Gilead. Look at verse 11 to 13 here. Now when the inhabitants of Jabez Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men rose and traveled all night took the body of Saul and the bodies of the sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. So they treat the bodies with honor. They go pick them up. They go pick them up and they take them back. They heard. Their hearts were stirred with compassion. Because if you remember in 1 Samuel 11, in 1 Samuel 11, one of the things that Saul did 40 years earlier, he delivered Jabesh Gilead from the hand of the Amorites, and they never forgot it. It was almost like, thank you for giving us our freedom. We're going to honor you in your death. We're going to come and honor you in it. And I think this is a pretty cool thing. They traveled far. They had to come behind enemy lines. It was a long, long way from their city to where Saul and his, and his sons were. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. 
Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m. along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope. Rescue